Wonderful space that is called the internet. Oh, and um, any place that you listen to audio, I guess it doesn't technically have to be the internet. Doesn't matter. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, in which we talk about, well, wrestling. Um, uh, you know, we got a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to talk about if Naya is dangerous. Um, we're going to talk about how baby faces are becoming irrelevant, a uh, extinct. Species, if you will. Listen up, Slab Nuts. This is the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I thank you, Jeff. I didn't even cue you to say that. That's awesome that my soundboard just did that. I hope it does that throughout the whole entire night. That would be interesting. Either way, and I was going to end that. (laughs) Great start, great start. Uh, And we're going to end it. Um, I was going to end all that whole entire thing with uh, if AJ Styles should buy a fucking cup uh, anytime soon from maybe a sporting outlet uh, based on his past. Um, either way, we have the return of someone that has been a very busy man lately, uh, and uh, we're happy to have him back on the show. My wonderful co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing How's wonderful, man. I'm uh, stoked to be here talking about wrestling with you again and uh, talking to the good people out there listening. And uh, there's lots to talk about this week, so this should be a great show. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Got me a beer, about to crack that open and uh, get ready to dive in. Absolutely, and, and I'm excited to talk some wrestling with you. You made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And, uh, you know, that kind of goes into our first sponsor of tonight, uh, this episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficient, efficiently deliver heat via heating panels uh, similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium lawn batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge action heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone and any other gadget while you're wearing them perfect for any friend or family for a holiday gift great for anyone who works outdoors skiers snowboarders or anybody that loves the outdoors but hates the cold like us all i mean i don't know anyone really chris that likes the cold action heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, heated socks, heated gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long john. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. 
Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is a perfect evolution to keep uh, you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. Heated products that fit everyone's budget starts at about $39.99. Uh, talk, you know, uh, we've got a special deal for our listeners uh, to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash GVN. That's GVN for Geek Vibes Nation to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash GVN or use the coupon code GVN at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty, warm, while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Holy shit. Um, yeah. That's uh, one of those situations where I'm very happy with the sponsor, but I'm going to kind of script it next time. Uh, it was a good read, though. It was a, it was a, it was a long read, but um, it was good. And, I, and I'm very excited about purchasing some of uh, Action Heat, Chris, uh, because I also hate the cold. So I probably won't be going far in outdoors, but the idea of long johns that are heated sounds amazing. Uh, do you have any uh, interest in uh, purchasing some, um, maybe a sweater that's, that's that's got the, uh, the the heated technology. I think so, man. I mean, it sounds awesome. If it works as uh, it works as advertised, which I think it does, based on the reviews I'm seeing, I think it'll be pretty awesome to strap one of those things on and then kind of just deal with the bullshit rain we have going on in Georgia right now. I swear it's uh, terrible outside. So uh, I'll take any any kind of sweater jacket I can get right now. If one, if it's like a heated car seat, even better because it's ridiculous outside right now here in uh, Gwinnett County. It's horrible. It's just cold and rainy. It's like it's Seattle, and, and it, but if Seattle wasn't, well, I'm sure it gets cold in the winter time. But you get what I'm saying. Either way, thank you very much, Action Heat, uh, for sponsoring us, and let's um, start talking about you know some some news related items. Um, the first one I think that we're going to talk about is uh, basically the official departure of the elite from the Bullet Club, um, as said last week when Chris Jericho released his um, podcast on um, the Jericho Pot of Awesome. Wait, no, no, that, that, I just combined him and Edge and Christians. Holy crap. Uh, talk is Jericho. <laughs> Sorry, Chris Jericho. Sorry, Edge and Christian. Uh, talk is Jericho. He, they had the elite on there from the cruise. And just went over the future, and they kind of dropped that. They were officially branching themselves off from uh, the Bullet Club. Bullet Club is now the, um, the OGs, which are um, Tamatanga, Bad Luck Fale. And I think that's it for because Tonga came in later on, a little bit later on. So I guess technically they're the, the only real uh, OGs, but now they got uh, Gato. Um, Jay White will probably be him and Tomatonga. I think one of them is going to assume leadership at some point soon. Uh, and they have uh, Ishimori, and I believe uh, I forgot the Tokyo Pimp's name. Um, no, no, he he left. I don't know what happened to him now because he wasn't with the elite. What is going on with the Tokyo Pimp? The question tonight, honestly, people, besides what the fuck's his name, even though I'm pretty sure Chris knows it, but I can't remember, is what happened to the Tokyo Pimp. And uh, and uh, the uh, Chad Owens. No, what? Damn it! I can't remember his name either. God, it's, these are like they were like the the hate to say it's the third tier 
uh, Bullet Club members. Oh, man. I, either way, I'm rambling on. It's been official. Um, just the initial reactions that when you found out that the elite was branching off, and then we'll kind of go more into, you know, what was said uh, from Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Cody involving their uninvolvement, if you will, from the Bullet Club. But when you, when you hear it's official, the elite are now their own entity, uh, Bullet Club is by themselves, are you like, wow, that's interesting, or, you like, or did you see that coming a mile away, Chris? I kind of expected it would eventually happen because I still feel like they're wanting to move Kenny Omega away from the Bullet Club while not entirely tanking what the elite is uh, as a whole. So part of that, I believe, you know, goes hand in hand with what New Japan wants. The other part goes into kind of what they talked about on Chris's Jericho, which goes into merch sales and, and New Japan owns licensing rights to the Bullet Club. And I think, you know, a lot of that was built on the back of as far as current and, and what they've done in the past two or three years of T-shirt sales and merch sales, built on the back of Kenny Omega, obviously, and the Young Bucks. So them separating out to do their own thing, one, financially benefits them, and, and two, allows them to kind of carry their gimmick wherever they want without having to worry about tying back into the Bullet Club in, in some form or fashion when they go do these independent shows with either Ring of Honor or uh, – these Chris Jericho crews or wherever they go in the future. Um, it also starts to build the name, the elite as its own thing, which it kind of has already been, but more prevalent even now uh, being separated from the bullet club. Um, as far as current members go, the list I have, or the people that I know of would be bad luck, Fale, Chase Owens, Takahashi, Gato, Jay White, Jado and Ishimori and, Tonga and, and Low, right? I think that is all of them. Yeah, the only, the only thing that's weird about that, and it's funny because I just looked it up, and apparently the guys I was talking about was uh, Takahashi and uh, Chase Owens. Um, but they got their asses beat uh, by the Tongans along with everyone else. Like, they were a part of that, and they were part of Bullet Club, and I guess now either they're in limbo or they just said fuck it and put them back in Bullet Club weird yeah it's that's a weird bullet club in general can be a little weird especially because if i remember right that was around the tournament when tamatunga and everybody was jumping them uh, the tournament and then right after that so yeah you know, that, that stuff's a, that stuff's a little weird as far as how they're going to handle it it makes sense now you have you can have you can put tamatunga in a lead role which i think they will he's one of the biggest heels in New Japan, and he carries himself with the swagger that could be the leader of the Bullet Club. Um, and then you have, you know, a natural rivalry with the elite leaving. So it makes sense, you know, even booking-wise. I don't have a huge problem with it. It's going to be interesting to see where they go, I guess, from here. You know, are, are we going to have the elite versus Tamatanga and Tengen Lo for a while? I the one thing I'm a little bit off of is like, I, I, I'm not up on the last pay-per-view for new Japan. So I don't want to speak out of turn, but based on that podcast, it seemed, seemed like for sure a lot of it was financial and also probably looking towards the road. If, if they end up leaving new Japan, I don't know that they want them associated with the bullet club. So I, I wonder if it's mutual with new Japan and if they're cool with the separation, I would assume it is. 
and then as far as I guess we could we're probably going to get into a little bit more, but some of the some of the remarks about the current state of the Bullet Club kind of made it seem like they didn't put forth the same effort as the elite with part of the elite being like gimmick being that they always are going to put on the best matches. Uh, and that's, that's been their thing forever. It, it comes off even in some of Omega's promos, specifically during G1 last year, he had a bunch of promos where he was talking about how every match he has is a five-star match and, and a few things like that. So I don't know how much of that plays into Kenny Omega in the elite and being the very best professional wrestlers in the world. And how much of that is, legitimate or shoot because it's always a little weird with new japan like so that's not uh how do you feel about it man like are you excited about it or kind of it doesn't really matter or what I, it's 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 very interesting um i think that one of the things that i would like to before we go into some of the quotes one of the things i think i realized i don't have a problem with them splitting themselves obviously you know the bullet clubs bullet club if you want Tamatanga and Jay White to position themselves more so in the forward with everyone else kind of with them. I'm down with that. You know, we we talked about how chaos was splintering, and obviously that definitely did happen. And now it seems like the Bullet Club's kind of in half. Um, my biggest thing is if we don't get any payback, which was an amazing moment, which, you know, after at, at, either at the end of the G1 or the uh, special that happened immediately after – when Kenny and all of them got their asses kicked, I think everyone was pumped up to see, you know, the the new elite Bullet Club versus the OGs, and it kind of was lackluster. And I hate to say this, but kind of reflecting what you just said about Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is one of my favorite wrestlers, um, you know, in wrestling right now. But I will say, and it's also not fair because he went after Okada, but I agree with some people that his – Championship reign, in a lot of ways, the actual championship matches, they've been a little bit lackluster. Um, not that he underperformed and nothing, you know, that bad, but nothing that memorable either. And, um, you know, they, the group is supposed to be known for that. Um, it's just weird. It just seems like, Chris, I guess I'll put it this way. There's been talks about tension with the elite members and the new management uh, that took over with New Japan uh, for weeks now. There's been also complaints that were apparent. Gaijin talent was complaining to Dave Metzler that they weren't happy with this. And Tamatanga kind of called them out specifically and told them that if they didn't like it, take their ball and go home. Now, obviously, there's a lot of stuff, and we were just talking about kayfabe, uh, you know, sounding things. But I will also say that when listening to the, the uh, interview itself, they very much sound, sounded like this was just them. They were just squaring off with the audience and telling them what's up. Um, but it's just weird. What, what I'm basically asking is, you know, should there have been more resolution uh, in, in, the, in the, uh, the fight between the elite and the Bullet Club? Is there possible dissension just with, you know, New Japan management and the members of the elite? And, um, you know, even what I was saying about Kenny Omega, do you think that it's been a little bit lackluster that maybe he's frustrated with some of the, uh, you know, booking of his, his uh, title reign so far? I mean, I think his title reign has been fine considering who they've given him to face off against. I think they're asking a lot. I mean, 
Okada had Shibata, he had Omega, he had Tanahashi, he had natural feuds that were already built into his title reign, and he also held the title for a long time. So it, it's the most recent comparison, right, would be Okada and Omega. And it's kind of an unfair comparison because they did build in the splintering storyline with the Elite and the Bullet Club. I agree with you a lot. I, I think that the, the payoff for this needs to be better. A lot of that, I think, goes on the shoulders of Hamatanga becoming the new leader and how they're going to play that off. Uh, outside of them just saying they're splitting from the Bullet Club, it needs to be played out in storyline within wrestling with some matches or uh, further dissension from separating those groups. Uh, so far, they haven't really done anything that really impressed me. The biggest thing with this whole breakup is that they started this with Kenny and Cody and let it fizzle. And they had the, you know, the angle where the gold lovers versus the young bucks was a thing. And it, the natural time to do that breakup would have been then. And then maybe had like Tamatanga just kind of take over the group afterwards. And I think that's what they were going for, but they didn't really hit the mark uh, in my opinion. But I don't know. It's a weird situation, and I think a lot of it comes down to business and merchandise and how that stuff all plays out, which them splitting up, they control their own name, they can sell merch however they want. And if that's the case, and they're forcing New Japan into a storyline they don't want to be a part of right now, then it would make a lot of sense that you could see some, you know, unhappiness between both parties, both, you know, New Japan management as well as the elite. So I don't know if they were trying to renegotiate the contracts, what are up at the end of right near Royal Rumble anyways. So maybe that part of that talk was merchandising. Who knows? That's all stuff that's kind of behind the magical curtain at this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, I mean, I, I, you probably under, you know, get where I'm pointing this conversation towards. It just seems like there is, unfortunately, trouble in paradise. How a lot of us, you know, especially with things like All In and uh, a lot of the stuff that was happening around it, thought that, you know, fuck it, you know, especially these guys, they don't need to go anywhere. They're fine. And then later you hear about New Japan having, you know, new management, like I said, uh, Getting, you know, the fact that um, both Chris Jericho and Kenny had a fight to get Don Callis a part of the announcing team again uh, because they didn't want him, obviously, because he's helping out as the booker over at, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Impact. Um, and, you know, you, you, you see someone like Cody getting online and talking about, you know, how none of the management of any of these promotions know a damn thing compared to the wrestlers, and that's a sad thing, or something along those lines. Um, you know that all these guys have done a ridiculous amount of stuff now in the independence. I'm just wondering if it points to them possibly taking, it would just be basically the Bucks, Kenny and Cody, because uh, Marty and Adam have a little bit more on their contract, but they all get done around the same time. If we could see them possibly in the direction of WWE bound, um, you know, kind of going more into some of the, the statements, and I'm only going to say a couple of them uh, because I don't, it's so much fucking shit in front of me. But uh, this is Kenny, and I'm not – I would try to do his, his impersonation, but I don't want people to think that he was trying to say it like he's doing a promo. It, it was very much, you know, nonchalant. 
we very much support the Bullet Club, and they're doing they're doing a lot moving forward. It's just that our goals and what we have in mind for professional wrestling as a business and us moving forward, it just doesn't really align with what the Bullet Club OGs are doing. We take a lot of extra time, for example, to do Being the Elite show, and we really feel like it's important for us to give back to you fans and appears and appear on cool things like the Chris Jericho Cruise, whereas the Bullet Club OGs, they prioritize the other aspects and elements of professional wrestling, and they'd rather not do the extra stuff, which is fine. It's okay to punch the clock. It's okay to just show up and do your job. It's just not that we always felt that if we had this incredible feedback, this incredible support from all the people just showing up to do a show, just showing up to do a match, it isn't enough. Now, he goes on and says a lot of other stuff, and Cody definitely said some stuff. Matt Jackson said something pretty interesting that me and you were talking about. Um, you know, before that, uh, before the, we went on air, and that I was going to mention, in a business sense, my family is out there in the crowd right here, and every time they slap that skull logo on a T-shirt, I make about $0, Jackson stated. And you know what? You're still supporting a good cause and we'll never forget it. And you guys made the Bullet Club shirt the most famous shirt probably in history of wrestling next to Austin 316 and NWO, which I can say it's probably up there as well. But, you know, given all that we've heard, I think that I think it's more so all of our – as wrestling fans and a lot of the, uh, the people that analyze wrestling, I think all of us thought there was less of a chance that WWE could be in the future, just mainly with the big four, especially with Cody for returning purposes. Do you think that shifted a bit for you, Chris, that with all that's been said about New Japan specifically as a company, that they might be either thinking about doing their own promotion, which has been a rumor, or they might be WWE bound? I think it's possible either way. If they're really set on it being all or nothing with who gets into to WWE, like they've said in the past, that might be a hard push. Um, when you throw in like Hangman and uh, Cody Rhodes, who's said some negative things about WWE, but I, you know, it's one of those things where Vince thinks he can make money off of it. Who knows? Uh, the big thing is they're going to want to keep the, the brand, the elite. They're going to want to keep their names. Um, they're going to want to do all of the things that WWE doesn't want to do when they sign sign a new superstar. <laughs> so that's pressure there. And then they have kind of proved that they can go out and do a big independent show. Now, what I would say from that is, what does that look like if you take off Pan Talent? Because if they burn that bridge, I don't know that New Japan is going to be opening up to do American shows um, in the same same way that they have in the past. It's a really weird situation because if it's just merchandise and, and contracts and money, I don't think they let Kenny Omega walk. I figure they'll, you know, New Japan will find a way to get that done. It never really seems like Kenny Omega wanted to leave New Japan. Um, no. But that being said, money, money talks and bullshit walks. And if WWE gives him enough, enough of a reason to come there and you know, gives them some influence in their characters like they want, and they all get there as a group, which is a lot of big ifs. 
then yeah, it's possible. I think it's always been possible. There, I mean, there was a time there when I thought Kenny Omega wasn't going to resign with New Japan uh, when they kind of yep. snubbed him for the title for so long. It seems like that his natural thing would be to go fight AJ Styles and just launch that further into the moon, you know, as far as what people think in their minds that that feud could be and, and how much money that feud could draw being the two former two former leaders of the Bullet Club. But it, it's I'm not I'm never gonna say never when it comes to WWE because they've gotten shit done with people that I didn't think I would ever see in the WWE again in the past. And it's the same thing as CM Punk. Like I never say never as far as him coming back. It's just the way that they've positioned themselves into the contract negotiations with WWE is they basically said, we want this, 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 and this, and this is the only way we're going to do it already. And it points more to them probably doing something with a a different company. And, And maybe that's something with NWA backed by Cody Rhodes and that whole crew, and maybe that makes that interesting. Um, what I don't see is them going somewhere like Impact. Um, but I, I think, you know, everything will settle down. They'll get the money that they want in New Japan, and they'll probably all stay there realistically. But it's always fun to speculate. Yeah, but what happens? What, what Wouldn't it be so cool if the Elite showed up, you know, the WWE? Like, it, it's really cool to think about it. It's just... Scary. Uh, I, don't, I don't see New Japan letting their top draws at least especially when they're trying to break into the American market walk um, so uh, this is probably oh, a little it. bit go ahead I was going to say before you go because it's kind of adding to what you said you know uh, speaking about sending feelers out Dave Metzl reported uh, after and I'm sure you saw this I talked about it last week by myself on the show um, but uh, Naito was offered a contract, and obviously it probably wasn't as much money as that they would pay the elite members, is what I'm assuming, but he turned it down. He lives in Japan. He loves New Japan. It wasn't enough for him to go over there, but apparently Dave Metzler said there were two other major Japanese talents from over there that they were sending feelers out from well. So it looks like WWE, outside of the elite, they're, they're looking for some of their main draws, I don't know if that's an Okada or, or Tanahashi or Kushida, but Naito plus two of their other major Japanese wrestlers. I, I would be curious if it was someone like Tama, you know, Tama Tonga and Tanga Lo coming over as a tag team. Uh, even wow. something like that would be a huge deal for them because they're part of the Samoan family. And you know WWE would take that and run with it. And you get a great heel out of Tamatunga, who's proven that he can talk on the mic. Obviously, he had to clean up his uh, the way he promos a bit, but <laughs> you could, I mean, you could easily see him fitting naturally with a heel gimmick in him and his uh, his brother uh, in WWE. So when they say top stars, you know, they could even be talking about Switchblade because to me, that's someone I think Vince would look at and go, okay. I could change his gimmick and he's good in the ring and like out of that. So when they say top superstars, I don't, I don't, you know, shooting for Okada is like, that would be like, well, another company trying to sign John Cena or like WWE trying to sign Bill Goldberg at Bill Goldberg's height. Like it would be a, uh, a huge ask. 
Yeah, yeah. What I was, um, I, I'm almost, you know, actually now that you, you mention it, I, I don't know if they were saying New Japan talent or if they were saying, specifically, I thought um, Dave Metzler was talking about Japanese wrestlers outside of Tetsuya Naito. But, oh, okay. I got gotcha. um, Jay White, I mean, that's another person. It's, I mean, they just got punish, Punishment Martinez from Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, you got the Lucha Brothers that are going to be premiering in NXT soon. Matt, the Evolve Boys of Matt Riddle and Keith Lee are on. It's just crazy that the I know that the, we'll see other big wrestlers come forward, but, you know, uh, new, not New Japan. Um, WWE, they're trying to do some stuff. And, you know, when it comes down to it, when you look at, let's take Adam Page and Marty out of, the, out of the situation, because I honestly think that if they were to come to WWE, they'd have to go to NXT. And I think they have like five more months past when all the, the main four, um, their contracts in. So they would go there before them, technically, if we were to look at this. So I feel like Marty and Adam, and rightfully so, would go to NXT and eventually have a, a position with the other dudes you know, once they get through it. And there would be an awesome addition to NXT. A lot of us like NXT more. I don't even know if the Elite wouldn't want to go to NXT just because of the product itself and be able to work with some of the guys there and just naturally just do it. I would assume they'd want, they would be asking for a lot of money, creative control, and to go to Maine. But, you know, when you look at Kenny and Cody specifically, Cody less uh, to gain than Kenny Cody's already been WWE, you know, obviously he's not the name that he is now, but um, he, it would seem that his ceiling can't be too much higher than it was, well, maybe a little bit, but I'm, I, I, what I'm trying to say is I don't see them putting even the WWE championship on him. Um, like, I hate to drop him as a mid-card guy, but that seems like that's where he'd be. Now, you look at Kenny, Kenny's already gotten most of the accomplishments he's wanted to got, get, especially with his IWGP. And you know they're going to want to put either the the uh, you know universal title or the WWE title on him pretty pretty much immediately. Jackson Brothers have the least reason to get out of the fucking independence. Look at the tag team division for Raw. Look at just the shit show that it is, you know. Um, and then SmackDown's pretty good too. It's stacked. You know, if if anything happens, this is just me theorizing, but, you know, looking at how Fox wants SmackDown to be a lot more sports-driven, which is not Vince's thing. That's much more NXT, uh, New Japan. That style, it seems like that's what they're they're asking for. Still storyline-driven, but, you know, having more of like a sports look to it instead of like basically a variety show like uh, Vince Makes Raw. Uh, obviously, Vince will be hands on deck, but he's going to be dealing with his upcoming football league. He's the main guy for Raw, and Triple H and Road Dog basically pretty much run SmackDown, and apparently Vince doesn't show up a lot. That doesn't really matter. Everyone that's worried, thinking that Vince is going to have no say-so in the Elite being in WWF are just foolish. But I'm just saying, if I were the Elite, I'd want to go to SmackDown. Um, I'd want to be a part of that new product. And I'd want to be the premier people, you know, uh, driving the storyline forward uh, with other wrestlers like Daniel Bryan, like AJ Styles, like Samoa Joe, like Andrade Cien Almas, like Rey Mysterio, that can give more of like a sports represented product than going to Raw. Because Raw scares the shit out of me. Vince controlling them, even if he says that he's going to give them creative control. This Vince McMahon is not the same one from the 90s. 
You know, he's not desperate anymore. He's just trying to make sure his company stays around for a very long time after he's gone. Um, so I don't know, Chris. I've kind of rambled on a lot about that. Any closing statements involving this whole entire thing or anything that I just said about it? No, I mean, I think you've summed it up very nicely. Like I said, it all comes down, as far as them leaving, it all comes down to how set are they on the demands that they've put out there and how willing is New Japan to open that checkbook up even further, which I think they've proved that a little bit by letting them split off. Because if they're splitting off, you know, they give them the okay to do that. They're under contract there, so New Japan controls the storyline. So a lot of that is... Obviously, there's some willingness there to work, and uh, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to merch money and probably them wanting to do something a little bit different than the direction they currently have the Bully Club in, and I think we just end up seeing, you know, Kenny Omega at another G1 next year, but it'd be really cool to see them in the WWE. I would prefer them to go to NXT, but it's like you're paying them a lot of money to be at NXT and that wouldn't really make any sense. So it, it, it's a weird scenario. Yeah, I, I think you would throw them on SmackDown just because AJ Styles is there, unless they're moving AJ Styles and you, you, Daniel Bryan. You, you, SmackDown is kind of the indie darling show anyways at this point. So I, I would think that would be where they ended up. Absolutely. It will be interesting to find out what exactly happens to them and you know, we're going to be talking about it until we find out about the contract renewal, which is about is right around the corner for all of them. Uh, so it will be interesting. It will definitely be interesting. Um, you know, Kenny is facing Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. I just feel, I mean, I don't know this, but I feel like if he drops it to Tanahashi, that I think that kind of gives more signals that that might be the actual uh, situation. I thought it was weird – that Cody's NWA title reign lasted as short as it did. Um, but it is what it is. I just, it's crazy. It, you would think that the guys that just realized they can make a lot of money doing it themselves wouldn't go to the place where basically all the control is taken out of your hands for the most part. But we'll have to just wait and speculate. And I didn't even mean the rhyme just then, but I did. So there you go. All right. Chris, now we got a lot of stuff to talk about with WWE. Oh, uh, Lord. Well, let, let, I'm going to go over highlights from Raw. I'm just going to read over. I'm pretty sure I know the main stuff. Uh, and ask you questions based on what you thought. Um, all right. Based off of the fact that we just saw Braun Strowman get a new match schedule with Brock Lesnar as soon as he's a team player and helps Raw win the uh, men's uh, Survivor Series Battle Royal. And he's also going to get Baron Corbin, which will be fun to watch him get his ass kicked, but, you know, it's whatever. Um, Given that they had to turn Braun um, heel, uh, and he was heel for a little while, and then they flipped him back babyface, obviously – because they were trying to get Roman over, they turned the other big baby face healed for him to feud with, flipped him once the unfortunate events happened with uh, Roman. Um, now he's still a premier baby face, and he took five F5s, one of them to the, out, to the outside of the ring, and a blast in the back of the head 
with the universal title for him to lose um, at the match over in Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel. So they still made him look strong. But what I'm trying to say is a lot of people say get these hands. He's still got a presence. Have they basically kind of killed his momentum? And does he still have a chance on Raw not to be champion, because I think that can happen no matter what, but specifically to be someone that's positioned as more of a Stone Cold Steve Austin, like he was when he was, you know, just ridiculously popular and, and just started that, that silly catchphrase, get these hands. Or now is he more taking the direction, which I love the big show, of being a big show, kind of like Anaya Jax, where big guy can get the title, looks intimidating, can be babyface, turn him heel, whatever. What do you? What direction do you think WWE Creative is going with Braun? At this point, I don't think that they see him as a top, their guy, the top guy. I don't think that they see him carrying the title for a long period of time. I don't want to say it's Big Show. I would think more of like Kane, as far as how they would treat him. If if there was a face version of Kane, they'll probably book and treat him more like that. During you know Kane's height of popularity, I just. They did kill his momentum, and I said that when they decided to throw three random guys together for no reason just to have someone beat the shield. It was a dumb idea, and they're paying for it. And, you know, him getting – him losing, you wouldn't think would be that big of a deal, but the problem is is Brock has already beat him without any help. And it wasn't that long ago. So you still have – Brock being the champion, you know, like Brock came back, he won the title, he got screwed out of the title to begin with, realistically, if you think about it, and I just don't see them putting Braun over anytime soon, and they're probably going to hold Pat until they can get, until Brock goes to UFC and actually has a match, I think that he's probably going to hold the title, even if he may even hold the title then, who knows. I don't see that thing coming off him anytime soon unless something crazy happens or uh, maybe Dean gets a really big run or Seth gets a really big run. I just don't see anyone them taking that title off and, and putting it on Braun. I think he's kind of relegated to a popular big man role, maybe uh, similar in the way of like an Andre the Giant, and, and that's kind of where they've put him. I, I don't know that he's going to get that same swagger back he had after – failing to capture the championship so many times um, over the past year and a half that it's it's a bit ridiculous. Um, I mean, he was the money in the bank holder. He should have the title right now anyways in the way that they book him, and he doesn't. So I think to answer the question is I, you could get him back there. It's just you, he, he needs to absolutely destroy Brock Lesnar, probably going to lose to Brock. So... At that point, it just kills him even further, and, and I just don't see him being the guy that they ever end up pushing to the very top, unfortunately. I think that he could have had one hell of, hell of a run if they were to give him the title the first time he fought Brock Lesnar, um, or even before that. So it's just a weird scenario with him, and it's, it kind of sucks how it played out. I think a superstar shakeup for him, maybe moving him to SmackDown and being a big opponent for someone like a uh, AJ Styles or Samoa Joe, someone that's already kind of established on that brand would probably do Braun a lot of favors. Getting him away from your Roman Reigns and your 
Brock Lesnar's of the world would do him a lot of good. Yeah, I agree. I just wish, you know, finding out that he uh, his knees are really, really bad and one of them is injured, wish that Vince would not have him fucking, you know, first of all, take an F5 to the outside and then also have, still do that running thing around. The, he just looks like he's in pain. But uh, either either way, other than that, Braun had some damn good momentum. And, um, you know, there's going to be like a theme – you know, while we're talking about Raw and SmackDown and leading up to Survivor Series is the depth of the babyface. And also with TakeOver, if you think about it, because Braun was a super over babyface. Daniel Bryan, super over babyface. Spoiler warning. Well, he he uh, went heel. Uh, Becky, they're trying to approach her like, you know, a, a, a heel, but she's still coming off. But, I mean, she went heel. And then, like, you know, you'd be thinking about John, Johnny Gargano who was, like, the super baby face. Everyone was like, yeah, he's going to be, like, the new Daniel Bryan, and now they're both heels. And even someone like Roderick Strong, who was, like, super, super baby face. It just seems like baby faces don't really have much room anymore. There's anti-heroes, cool heels, which is different, you know, heels that you still root for because they're, they're badasses, and just heels. And even the heels, like the, the Tommaso Ciampas, you know, your um, Sammy Callahan's, those are very, very hard to find because, you know, you go between antihero and cool heel, and antiheroes are like Becky, where they still are a good guy, but they'll 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 be brash, they'll do that type of stuff, the Stone Cold concept, and then heels that are just appealing like the Miz, you know, but there's not a lot of baby faces anymore. They're pretty much dying out, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's unfortunate because especially when you're talking about Daniel Bryan, which we'll get into later, he is the pure baby face. The, the guy that overcame all of the odds. It doesn't make sense for him to turn his back against the crowd that pushed him to win at WrestleMania uh, in general. So there's certain people like that where it's like, oh, it's easy enough to say, hey, turn John Cena heel. But then when you look in the audience and you see 10,000 children wearing John Cena swag, it's kind of hard to be like, ah, oh, then who will the bad guys face? Uh, it used to be, realistically, it used to be like, who would our, who would Hulk Hogan face? And they would have to have 15 different heels for Hogan to face. Nowadays, it's the opposite. You have AJ Styles. He is the only baby face in the company, I guess, at this point, um, as far as at the very top. Uh, but we've, you know... I dislike how that's done in general, and it's not great in New Japan either. Um, so I'm not just taking a dump on WWE and the way they book, because half the time Kenny Omega's a heel, half the time he's a face. They never know what they actually <laughs> want to do. So it's not it's it's all across wrestling in general. Um, there's very few. This is a good person who will continue to be a good person. And then let's give him a reason to turn heel. That doesn't happen anymore. The, the, the idea of Shades of Grey works fine in film, in uh, books, novels, whatever. In wrestling, there needs to be a clear good guy and a clear bad guy and the point that you want to get to in your story. Because wrestling, in a lot of sense, plays out like a stage production, like a play. 
a clear-cut narrative. When you don't have that, it's it's really weird. And a lot of times I think WWE looks over their storylines, and unfortunately they've been hit with a lot of injuries, which shifted things around. They, you know, did this uh, crown, crown Jewel Festival, which made some people leave storylines and shifted some things around and apparently shifted booking. Um, but it's, it's just weird the way that I, I think Becky Lynch could have just been over as a face and kind of just put some edge on her and stayed being a good guy without the weird heel turn. Like if they just wanted an edgier Becky Lynch, you can still keep her a good guy and give her some edge. You don't have to turn her completely heel and then have the fans adjust to her being heel and cheer for her. And maybe that's where we're at. Maybe I'm just too old school or maybe I'm stuck in the, you know, late seventies to the early nineties or something. Maybe it's me, but when I look at it, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. And I think when you have someone like a Braun Strowman, just to bring that conversation back around, who is clearly someone the fans are behind, who doesn't have to cheat to win, who is just a big aggressive, I don't want to say oaf, but kind of, it doesn't make sense to have him just randomly turn heel to go against the Shield and join forces with Ziggler and uh, Drew McIntyre, who are not as big of stars as he is. Like, just dumb stuff like that clearly points out, like, there is a problem with the way you guys are trying to get certain things done. But like I said, maybe I'm just old at this point. Who, who the hell knows? Maybe I'm just getting Jim Cornette old, just being grouchy about everything. I don't think so. Cause I can only think of like five baby faces really out there. Uh, you know, you said AJ Styles, then you got Finn Balor. They're not doing anything with them. Tanahashi who's over in new Japan. Ray Mysterio Jr. and John Cena, who's not really doing anything in wrestling anymore. Like, those are your pure white meat baby faces. And, I mean, there's not many. Just like there's not many pure heels. Usually it's that line of the good guy that kind of does heelish stuff or will be a badass, the anti-hero, or the heel guy that's kind of cool, like your Velveteen Dreams and The Miz. You know, it's just that that one distinction, it's it's very hard, which is – it's kudos to someone like a Tanahashi or a Tommaso Ciampa for be a, being able to be distinguished, like completely as one or the other. There's no way you can look at both those guys in a different way, you know. But um, I don't know. It just it, it's very strange. But we'll continue. Um, so I think the next question that I had, well, so much of this stuff really does does not matter at all. <laughs> um, Welcome right. to Monday Night Raw, pal. <laughs> uh, so, Dean Ambrose uh, shows up on screen um, in some back lot area, being a homeless bum, like he's normally good at doing with CCW, uh, next to a burning, um, you know, uh, d- 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 metal container thingy. I forgot the fuck they're called. Drum, trash, if you trash will. Girl. Sure, that's what it's called. Uh huh. Thanks, thanks for that. Um, he was based. I just want to ask you. I don't think Dean Ambrose. I'm not saying that I needed an amazing reason. I don't think he gave that bad a one, but it was kind of like you guys have held me down because you know you always thought that I was a loose cannon and blah 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 blah. 
I just didn't think that WWE would be able to pull this off. Honestly, I, I, you know, I wasn't one of those people that that were, you know, got so like up in arms about the fact that how dare they use part of the whole Roman Reigns thing. Uh, it just didn't bother me as much because I just feel like they wouldn't be that stupid, especially the one that was the night of. Like they would have cleared this, and you know, most wrestlers, like I've heard Rick say. You know, if you got to do whatever with a go for it, basically. But I know a lot of people get offended, rightfully so. Um, seems like as they went on, they still kind of used it, which wasn't really necessary, but they just didn't really talk about what happened. You know, the fact that he's battling leukemia. Um, but I knew that the payoff wasn't going to be that good. And that's what I'm getting at, basically. And like for them to take such extremes, I'm glad that they have a premier uh, feud between the two of them. But it seems like, I don't know, to me, he could have had better reasoning. How about this for reasoning? How about the fact that maybe he never really trusted Seth Rollins, since Seth Rollins was so so evil and sinister, and something snapped at him? Why does he even have to have a reason? Like, he went, instead of being, you know, more Brian Pillman, or, or I'm trying to think of, like, someone that just acted, his old character, John Moxley, instead of acting like that, he more acted like Raven when he was in WCW, like, woe is me, piss and moan, you know, they're holding me back. It's, you know, all that type of shit, and it just it didn't work for me. And I didn't expect – it was a better payoff, I'll say, Chris, than what I thought we were going to get. But at the same time, if you go at such lengths to try to get Dean to be a heel, I think that they were trying to. I don't think it worked that well. I don't think it's going to hurt their, uh, their feud. But I also would definitely just – no more about Roman Reigns at all for, for the reason why you guys are feuding. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit sensitive because before I was saying everyone was being a bitch about it, but it just it's like the fourth week in a row they brought it up for a storyline. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just becoming a whiny little brat. What do you think? I think it's completely a dumb reason to feud over anyways. Like the, the entire feud is dumb. If you wanted to turn Dean Ambrose heel, you should have brought him back as a heat in general. Um, to me, it just looks like, I mean, even at a glance, to have Roman come out and, and tell everyone that he obviously is battling with something in real life and then turn it into a feud between the two people who are supposed to be his brothers is dumb. It would have made more sense to have them become closer and go after the tag team titles and win the tag team titles and beat everyone's ass who steps against them up until WrestleMania and then have a reason where they break up naturally of tag team where Dean thinks he's the reason they're winning the tag team titles and Beth thinks he's the reason they're winning the tag team titles or whatever. It's not fucking rocket science. Like wrestling is easy. You build the two, you do the rock in, in mankind where they're both fucking their tag team champions and they carry the belt for a while. And then they have to fight each other because they both think they're the reason that they're tag team champs. It's not, it's not, it's an easy angle. You don't have to turn Dean heel to do it. You could turn Dean heel towards the end of it. You didn't have to do it so soon. And the entire thing is you shifted Braun Strowman to be with this group for the shield to feud against. And not only did you derail what he had going, but you could have easily just brought Dean Ambrose in as a heel in general if you still wanted to do this feud between him and Seth. 
and it would have worked out the same exact way. And that's not even thinking about anything to do with Roman Reigns. And it is looking in retrospect, but that's what I said they should have done to begin with when they were bringing Dean Ambrose back all those months ago. So for now, for him to randomly turn heel, to me, I call it random because I didn't see the dissension. I don't think they did a good job of showing that this group was breaking apart at the seams or anything. I think it would have made more sense for them to be closer together, to go out there and want to win for their fellow S.H.I.E.L.D. member, and for them to become tag team champions, and then break up later down the road a couple months after we're a little further removed from this thing. And then you still get the same damn feud. And you could even, if you wanted them to hold the titles till the fucking Royal Rumble, you could have done that and then just had one of them throw the other one out during the Royal Rumble, and then that be the feud. But you could turn Dean Ambrose heel at any point in time, so doing it so soon, I could see why people would be upset about it. It, it does seem like you're cashing in on something, but it's also a dumb... The, the entire storyline behind it's dumb as far as why Dean Ambrose joined them to begin with and then why he's a heel now. Well, it just seems like... I mean, all right, this situation is very similar to, like, the Becky stuff uh, in a way. Um, you know, one, Roman, obviously, they didn't plan for all that. Uh, that was going to happen. I think Dave Metzler said that Dean was going to screw them both over at Survivor Series was the original plan. They kind of fast-tracked it. But it just didn't seem like it made sense for them to win the damn tag titles. And immediately after that, like, where was the thinking behind that? It's just like long-term booking, even in a situation like that, it doesn't seem like – and I don't know. I don't make a bunch of money doing it. It doesn't seem as hard as they make it. Also, compared to their their two incidents now, I'm sure we'll find out. I doubt AJ's injured. I, I don't exactly know their reasoning, mainly to switch with him and Daniel Bryan like that. When Daniel Bryan just lost AJ not too long ago, and they had on the last episode a big camaraderie with him and The Miz working together and it being kind of funny. So it, it was out of nowhere. And not only that, why would Becky – Why it's not why would Becky pick Charlotte. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not going to bitch about, oh, they broke kayfabe. Get the fuck over it. Wrestling's fake. If Becky wants to hug Charlotte for whatever the goddamn reason, just shut the fuck up. It's so annoying. But what I will say is, why would you, even if we're thinking, okay, if Becky's, you know, if she doesn't have an orbital injury, remember that. We don't know exactly. We know that her cheeks broke, and we know that her nose broke. You know, if it's the orbital, it could be, she could be out for fucking six months. She could miss mania. But one negative out of a positive or one positive out of this whole negative is that maybe Ronda and Becky at Mania will be a bigger match. But why wouldn't you leave Ronda for Charlotte for something else either way? I mean, you saw the crowd reaction when they got the Asuka. Uh, and even if Asuka would have lost to Ronda, if they had a great match, it still would have made her look strong as shit. It just seems like they're not logical, and they do stuff that's like fast and out of nowhere. It's like one SmackDown, you have Daniel Bryan getting ripped off of people uh, understandably so, it was Samoa Joe who was talking shit about him. But having this problem with him and um, Miz being able to, you know, hold out the team. And then a week later, Dan O'Brien goes crazy on fucking AJ Styles, gets a title match, gets the title, and is not even a part of the Survivor Series match. And here's even the better question. Why the fuck would you say, oh, no, Dan O'Brien, like, what did he do to get himself off the team? You'd think that they would be like, Miz would be like, so what are we going to do? Well, if Daniel Bryan wins, he goes on against Brock Lesnar, and AJ joins us. If it's the opposite, it stays the same. 
No, I, I just some of this stuff. Like, am I going crazy, or does it seem like it's a little more like it's it's simpler? You know? No, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think a lot of it is just overthought and fly by the seat of the pants whenever an injury happens. Like, there's never a backup plan. And and like you said, we haven't really gotten into SmackDown yet, but when you with something like Daniel Bryan, why is he just randomly removed <laughs> as co-captain? Why would you not, you know, just wait till the end of the night or wait till the following week and go, well, Daniel Bryan's the champion, so he can't be part of this match because he has to defend his title. Like, they take – long ways out of things for no reason. So I, I don't think you're crazy at all. I, I think you're, I think you stated everything exactly right. And, and I think they overthink things. And, uh, you know, a lot of that's looking at retrospect. I, there's a lot of good things about what they've done booking wise, but, you know, injuries are going to happen. And it seems like they happen more often nowadays than they used to, but, you know, the athleticism has changed a lot as well, but. Yeah, it's just it's weird, and and like the definitely the SmackDown stuff was very weird. Yeah, so we have a couple more things that I want to talk about on Raw. We'll switch to SmackDown, but I, it's 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 very strange to me this whole entire thing. It's just uh, very seat of your pants for the sake of TV ratings, but you didn't really promote it beforehand, so who gives a shit? just to change up the pay-per-view that you've had scheduled for a while and telling people the mar- the matches just to change them, you know, it's, 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 it's weird. It's uh it's, it's very strange, but um, Ronda Rousey, she was getting a lot of flack uh, for her promo against Becky. And I think the one thing that I did like that stood out from it is when she was like uh, something on the long lines of, you know, I didn't, I didn't work this hard in the, in the female, uh, combat sports division for you to call yourself the man or some shit like that. But she also called her a millennial, um, which I thought was weird. Cause there's like a two year difference between the two of them. And uh, you know, she has this emphasis of, of like getting pissed off uh, because she's a millennial and, and she needs it her way and blah, 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 blah. But she's getting so frustrated about the fact that, Becky would call herself the man, basically, I'm assuming, instead of the woman or whatever, you know, wouldn't she basically be contradicting herself there, Chris? Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's writing, right? So someone's like, ooh, you know what's a hot topic? Millennials. That's part of the problem with some of those written promos. Like, why is the answer not Ronda Rousey being like, look, I've beat the shit out of all of these people. Why would I not beat the shit out of you? It just needs to be simple with Rousey, and I think they overcomplicated. I, I think she had some decent parts of that promo, but overall that thing was kind of meh, in all honesty. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, once again, you're overcomplicating a, a simple thing. It's champion versus champion. For her to be upset because Becky's calling herself the man and they're doing this women's revolution, that makes a lot of sense, and, and that carries weight. So if they were going to do that, they should have stuck with that the entire promo, in my opinion. Yeah, and just don't call her millennial because then you're saying that she is what you are, basically, by bitching about that. It's just so silly. It's just uh, the writing. And not only that, Ronda shouldn't be that hard. She's good at being passionate. She's good with, like, a little bit. They keep on making her try to come off too articulate. 
you know, everyone wanted Ronda Rousey to be the Stone Cold Steve Austin in the women's division or the Brock Lesnar. Those are the two comparisons I heard so much. Well, Becky ended up being kind of the closest thing I've, I've seen to a Stone Cold Steve Austin in WWE, period, I would say. Especially, I mean, going down to WrestleMania 13 with the blood on his face compared to her with the blood all over her face. You know, just uh, the, the thing about Ronda, to me, she comes off more like a Bill Goldberg type. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going against her work because I actually think she works in the ring better than Goldberg did when he first started. But she's supposed to be dominating. I'm sure that. I mean, she's undefeated so far too. She's just a badass. She's legitimate by the way that she looks and the way she performs. You know, that's kind of supposed to be her thing. So I try to outdo. You know, um, a a Matt Hardy broken style, like, you know, just being so articulate and even Psycho Sid tried to do that shit and never really worked out for him. So to me, I'm not saying like have her be stupid, but she doesn't have to like have all these like structured things of what the hell did she say? She said something about like, go eat your, your something toast, your, 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 uh, your avocado toast. That sounds delicious. What the fuck's your problem with avocado toast? Well, this is that's another thing where they overwrite shit because like Becky has an ongoing thing on her Twitter where she talks about avocado, and it's like now you're fucking reaching to the ten percent of your audience that fucking follows people religiously on Twitter, like I do, that would know that there is a thing where Becky loves avocado. Like you're you're fucking reaching (laughs) at that point. When really all she has to say is, I'm going to kick her ass, and this is why I'm going to kick her ass. And I've kicked everyone's ass that I've fought thus far. It, it just needs to be simple with her. And uh, I know that her favorite wrestler is Roddy Piper, but she's not the Roddy Piper. <laughs> She'll never be the Roddy Piper. She's a badass. Roddy Piper was a heel. Becky reminds me more of Piper than Fonda does. I mean... She doesn't have any of that, like, kookiness. It's okay. I'm sorry. Me and you, and we've, we've kind of we've talked shit a little bit about, about Bill Goldberg. Probably more for his personality or, than anything else. But there's nothing wrong with being a Bill Goldberg concept for the women's division. There isn't. She's not Brock Lesnar because I think she can talk for herself, and she's not trying to be, like, that much over-dominant, you know. But... She definitely has, like, a Goldberg quality. I mean, the, the, the literally the, the thing that you just said, I'm going to kick your ass. I beat everyone's ass beforehand. You know, it, the next thing's, come on, you know, who's next, basically. But whatever. Uh, so I guess the next thing that's important to talk about is uh, Chad Gable and Bobby Roode won the battle. Ro- oh, never mind. Okay, that's, that's I'm just kidding. That wasn't something. Um, <laughs> sorry, Bobby. Uh, Brock Lesnar, God, Raw should get their asses destroyed in that pre-show tag match. That's all I gotta say. Jesus. Um, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman made their appearance. I just wanted to comment that it's funny that Jinder Mahal came out and was like, hey, remember a year ago when they thought that I would be something and, uh, I was supposed to go against you and they put AJ to beat me real quick at a house show at, uh, Madison Square Garden. And then, you know, it's a year later, Shanti, Shanti. Hey, I'm gonna beat the... Fuck, I was doing the Singh Brothers. My God. Second thing, those suplexes to the Singh Brothers were dangerous as hell. I don't think Brock realized 
how much they weighed when he just tossed them. And then he gives friggin' Jinder an F5 to the outside for his troubles. Um, my lord has the Maharaja fallen. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, it's weird with Jinder. We kind of knew it would end up becoming this, right? What's even sadder is, remember when they had Kevin Owens doing stuff with Jinder just a few months ago? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I, I'm glad he's getting some time off. Hopefully he comes back and they do something fun with him. Um, and hopefully his knee stuff goes okay. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not surprised about Jinder Mahal. Like I said, you book someone with zero wins for forever, and then you give him a couple spots against Randy Orton. It doesn't necessarily make him a superstar. It's it's not how it works. Jinder Mahal is. Jinder Mahal, I think Jinder Mahal could go to a different company and be a great mid-card. Hell, even maybe, like, Bobby Lashley was pretty big at Impact. Maybe Jinder Mahal could be big at Impact. Who the hell knows? Because I, I consider their in-ring D and promo is about the same level. Um, which, well, I guess we'll get to Bobby Lashley shortly. Or- but. No, I was yeah. I was about to compare him to Alberto Del Rio, but uh, I think Alberto Del Rio is actually a pretty decent wrestler compared to Jinder. Um, yeah, Del Rio is a good wrestler. It, he's a good promo. He's his behind the his work ethics not necessarily there, and he has kind of proven. I don't know him personally, but from every story we've ever heard about him that has been negative, he kind of comes off like a dick. So we'll just go with maybe he's a dick. Uh, but he's had some good matches. I mean, some of the stuff he did with uh, Morrison and a few other matches I can think of have been really good. I mean, he had some good matches with Edge and Christian. So. I, I give him a pass as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Jinder Mahal is Jinder Mahal. And, you know, they got to send someone out there for Brock Lesnar to destroy. It might as well be Jinder Mahal. And it kind of makes me think, are they trying to make Brock Lesnar the face going into Daniel Bryan versus... Brock Lesnar because that's going to be a hard fucking ass. I have no fucking clue, but I was wondering the same thing. So wait a minute. Who are we supposed to be rooting for between Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryan who just, you know, it, it's not that he 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 beat AJ, he hit him in the balls, beat him, and then kicked the shit out of him and had a big old Joker smile on his face. Like, that's a definite heel turn. Am I Am I wrong? I mean, that's the way I read it. And, you know, AJ Styles, you're right. He should invest in a cup. Because every time he gets screwed, it's because he gets hit in the dick. So, God damn it. it it, Yeah, it makes me worried because I'm from Gainesville. I'm afraid people are going to show up and start hitting me in the dick. Like, it seems to be repeat (laughs) offenses against AJ Styles' crotch. Um, But, yeah, like, I I don't – it was fine. The segment was fine. It made sense. Lesnar's got to destroy someone. And, you know, all of the normal tag teams you would destroy were in the match right before this. So, might as well be gender, I guess. All right. So, the last thing on Raw that happened that will kind of bleed into what we're going to talk about on SmackDown. Um, So, this basically started with Alexa Bliss coming out and announcing her team so far. And she had uh, Tamina and Nia, because her and Nia are besties now again, apparently. Uh, Um Talk about a big show-like person uh, for being heel babyface. Uh, anyways, so, yeah, Tamina, Naya, uh, Natalia, 
uh, who wasn't there, but she claimed to be a part of her team. Um, and then uh, Mickey James, and you'd think Alicia Fox. No. Uh, actually, she said that whoever won the next match would be the uh, person that wins it. Uh, and the two competitors, sadly, were Bailey and Sasha. I'm not saying badly, or I'm not saying sadly because of the fact that it's, it's because what the fuck? There's four women I want to know what the fuck is going on with. Two of them are on Raw, two of them are on SmackDown. Sasha and Bailey, Asuka, and Naomi. Please explain to me why these women are doing absolutely fucking nothing. Let me go back to your scheduled programming. Anyways, so she has them have a wrestling match. Then she has the other ladies interrupt it and beat the crap out of them, claiming that they were never going to be on the team, um, that instead Ruby Wright was picked. Well, first of all, before we go into the invasion aspects, that doesn't really make any sense. The reason why, mainly, uh, not you know, um, Natalia, Ruby don't like each other. Besides already being ridiculous about bringing in the whole entire fucking Roman Reigns stuff, which we were talking about, they also decided with fake glasses to bring up a dead Jim Neidhart recently uh, within WWE for a storyline. Whatever, it's wrestling, what do you expect? But either way, in storyline, they should not get along at all. So what I'm assuming is going to happen, because I don't know why the fuck they'd waste these ladies, they don't have a fifth person. Well, Natalia will not work with them, but Sasha and Bailey decide to step up and get thrown in the match. It's the only thing I can think of. Either way, outside the Survivor Series match, then we get on the monitor um, backstage, referees rushing out of a locker room, and Ronda Rousey in the disarm her from Becky Lynch, screaming at her. Becky starts beating her ass. Uh, comes to the ring. You know, all the women line up, and then Becky gets there, and basically she had reinforcements. They all jump the ring, the whole women's uh, SmackDown roster, Everyone starts beating the hell out of everyone. Becky enters the ring, starts taking out people. A lot of people were pissed about her and Charlotte working back-to-back. Uh, they would have been mad even more so, like I said, about the hug that happened on SmackDown. But, you know, we kind of already talked about it. Uh, at one point, we, you know, Becky was bleeding, like just bleeding all over the place, uh, so much that originally people thought that Dana Brooke had done it because she was working with her in the corner and had blood all over her, her hands. But obviously she was working with her and just touching her, uh, you know, great visual for Becky. She looked like a complete fucking badass. Uh, you know, for some reason, color always works well, you know, in the lines of wrestling bleeding basically. And it was unintentional, but it just kind of added to the, the badassery of her hands being soaked in blood blood all over her face, talking shit to Ronda Rousey after hitting her with a chair a couple times. Got to say, man, Ronda's she's, – she's come a long way, man. She's really good at selling. She's really good at taking stuff and working with, you know, the momentum of a chair to make it look devastating. But also you can tell it didn't really hit her as hard as it did. I noticed stuff like that, and I appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, Becky's hands held high, and then unfortunately it trickled into SmackDown by the first thing that we find out is that um, during a, you know, I, I don't remember who Naya was going against in the corner, but Becky came up, hit her in a couple times in the back of the head. Naya just, she punched her, but it was like a swat. Um, open-handed, but still was able to 
like we said, break the cheekbone, break uh, her nose. And it was, I, I really want to say that Dave Metzler was saying that she broke part of her orbital bone, which would be terrible in this situation because the other two are reasonably fast recoveries. If it's orbital, she might be out for mania and she's definitely going to have to, you know, relinquish the title. Um, so she's out of Survivor Series and she was going to tell us who she was going to pick. So I'll leave off at that, Chris. How did you like the ridiculousness of what they did with Bailey and Sasha? Um, how did you like the invasion, which I think went over a hell of a lot better than the one last year, uh, and the unfortunate aftermath of Becky getting hurt uh, from a punch from Nia? Well, I'll start with Sasha Banks and Bailey. Um, I assume that they end up working a tag match against the Riot Squad, and then Ruby Riot is just thrown into this match, and then you get the SmackDown faces versus the raw heels. I don't think they're going to do much more with it. I honestly think that's probably what they're going to do. Um, As far as the invasion angle, I think it was better than last year. I don't understand why anyone would be upset with Charlotte and Becky working together during this because as we've learned from every time they do a Survivor Series, people that hate each other will team up for brand loyalty to fight each other uh, or fight alongside each other against the other brand. So I had no problems with that. Um, obviously, Becky Lynch got potatoed. That sucked. And it led into what what you saw in SmackDown. I, you know, watching that thing happen the way it was, even... I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying it's intentional. I'm not going to go that far, but it was a, a damn hard shot that you should have pulled from a mile away like she potatoed the fuck out of Becky Lynch and uh, it would be different if it was the first time Nia Jax had ever messed up but uh, she seems to be a repeat offender as far as her carefulness in the ring with her opponents let's say that Um, and and there's a long list of evidence that we could get into but I've done that on the show before so I'm going to try to stay out of the political side of it and just go she potatoed her. Becky's out. That sucks. Charlotte versus Rod, uh, or I, which we're getting into in SmackDown. Uh, I guess we'll just move on because I, that's really all I have for Raw. Is that I, I thought the Invasion Angle stuff was fine. My only problem with it is they do it every year. It'd be kind of cool if they did a lottery to decide the teams or something just one year to change it up instead of doing these weird-ass Invasion Agreed. Angles for this brand versus brand shit that none of the wrestlers actually care about. Um, because they could be drafted to any brand at any point in time, and, and there's no reason for brand loyalty. It's not if they built it up in storyline more, where it's like if SmackDown wins this many matches, then everyone gets a pay bonus, or if they made it where would it be, someone would give would it be that give big a shit. Of a deal, Chris? Would it be that big of a deal if, if they just fucking gave if the last if you if you win it as the last person, you get a title shot? Yeah, I mean that would be great. That would be better than what they do. This this would be like if I walked across the street from where I work and I knew we had a dodgeball tournament coming up against this other software (laughs) company and my software company just went in there and started breaking all of their shit. Like that doesn't, there's no, we have nothing in common. There's no team loyalty. I'm not going to get paid more for doing it. What is the fucking point? Like it's just, 
it's one of those things that's just I get it, but it's just so far fetched without without there already being um now if you built it up where you had people that had natural feuds already where you could go, okay, Charlotte and uh, Alexa hate each other, so that would be your invasion angle. You need to build it off why someone from SmackDown would convince other people to invade with them. Um, but yeah, Becky Lynch, to me, you know, it, as far as the invasion, her and Charlotte working together, I had no problem with it at all. It's not like they haven't done that before. I've seen Austin during, you know, WCW, uh, ECW, and WWF, like, work with people that he was not friends with at all because Stone Cold was not friends with anyone. So, like, I don't... It, that's just how they do these angles. I, I, have, I just think the angle itself is dumb because it comes around once every year and they do the same thing. I completely agree, which is obviously why they made split decisions of changing it up from AJ going against Brock again to uh, Daniel Bryan. That must have been the reasoning. I don't know. Maybe that is actually. I just put that out as a sarcastic, you know, uh, comment. But this means it would have been they were trying to go for AJ versus Roman, obviously. Well, they had to put on Brock, so they realized that they were going to repeat it. But here's the thing. You know, I was looking forward to Becky versus Ronda more, but I thought that that the best Brock Lesnar match I've seen recently would be the one he had with AJ. You know, it was him dominating at first, and then AJ got a little bit of a comeback and then inevitably lost, but it was still a fun match. So I was looking forward to their match. I just, I really have no idea, like, the split decision. It can't be because AJ's hurt because he wouldn't have, you know, did that big of a match. Fuck it, let's just talk about it right now, actually, because we'll go back into more of the Becky shit. What is this reasoning for the heel turn of Daniel Bryan and just randomly putting the championship on him. I have no fucking clue unless he's kind of told them already that he is ready to leave. And they're just trying to get a much, as much out of him as they can, big match-wise. Because he's not believable against Brock Lesnar at all. I, like, I know that he wanted to do this weird style against Brock Lesnar, and they talked about it on Total Divas, and you know, he was injured, so he couldn't. And, like, that's fun. That's total divas. I don't care about that as a wrestling fan. And I don't see him as being a believable opponent for Brock Lesnar. AJ Styles had a great match with Brock Lesnar, which is kind of a rare thing. Daniel Bryan hasn't had, to me, has not had a great standout match since he's been back. Maybe with the exception yeah. of him carrying injured Shane McMahon through the match with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But he was wrestling against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. That's different than wrestling yep. against Brock Lesnar. So to me, you're giving me a lesser quality match with a heel turn out of nowhere, and you're putting him against someone that I should be, I should be rooting for Daniel Bryan in this match. Not <laughs> the only way this match works is a David versus Goliath situation where you want the little guy to win, but if the little guy just screwed over the champion in a very asshole fashion. It doesn't make any sense um, unless it ends up being a three-way match or something or somehow they wrangle a four-way match or something. I don't know. Hopefully that's where they're going. They're going to wrangle this thing into some kind of clusterfuck four-way match, which I think would probably be the best way to go. You two, two people from Raw, two people from SmackDown. But what they did makes no goddamn sense at all. You know, and I, I know that, that Daniel Bryan's a little uh, – I'll just say crazy, you know, knowing 
knowing that this is the guy that we do not want to see get a concussion because it will end his career and just because we're for his safety uh, because he's had so many throughout his career. I know he wants a match against Brock Lesnar, and I'm not saying Brock can't be safe. And Dan O'Brien weighs more than those Singh brothers, but it can't be much more. Why the fuck are we putting the guy that's concussion prone that, you know, one or two more and that's it basically against Brock Lesnar who drops people on their heads, even if he's got good timing quite often. How's that smart? I don't know. I mean, to be honest, it's WWE. So it could just be a giant fucking illusion. And Samoa Joe comes out and chokes out Daniel Bryan two minutes into the match. And then there's a beat down. Well, maybe we'll get Samoa Joe versus Brock. I kind of like that idea. <laughs> well, I, I, well, no, I was thinking more Samoa. You set up Samoa Joe versus Daniel Bryan in SmackDown, and they just write this match off as well. The, that Daniel, thought, you know, it's so weird. Like, what the fuck are they going to do with Daniel Bryan as a champion? It makes no sense. There's like <laughs> literally he has to go back in a program with AJ. AJ's got to, you know, I guess kind of cause him the match. And what the fuck is AJ going to do? Survivor Series now. Is he going to just be on the men's team and they're going to tell someone to fuck off? Well, how far, how far away is Survivor Series, right? We're this three weekend. weeks out. It's, oh, shit. Yeah. I was thinking it was, I, I was thinking we had at least a week out. Uh, I don't know, man. I Let's still think it, you, but, who, who the hell knows? Maybe you, I, I still think you could end up with some kind of weird four ways. I mean, AJ Styles realistically probably low blows Daniel Bryan. Brock Lesnar hits him with the F5 and that's it. Uh, and then so they just fucking weird. They just they just redo the it's, same shit they did with AJ and Sinsuke. And then Lesnar holds the title and doesn't really have to work again for another couple months. Uh, I mean, realistically, the, can Hill Daniel Bryan beat Brock Lesnar? And it doesn't mean anything because you're not joining the title. But it's going to be a DQ. Like, Lesnar is one of the least, like, honestly, Brock Lesnar might be the biggest babyface on Raw because he doesn't actually ever do heel shit. Like, he never cheats to win. If you really think about it. Yeah, he just dominates. Lesnar wins wins all his matches legitimately. (laughs) So... I mean, outside of other people getting involved with his shit, but it's it's well known that Lesnar doesn't care about that. So <laughs> it's just it's fucking weird, and it's if you were going to do it, why not just have Daniel Bryan win clean, and then set up Brock versus Daniel? It's not going to hurt AJ. Probably he would have helped him in the middle Bryan. of the ring. He had him in the middle of the ring in the fucking yes lock. Why did they have to have extra sequence and have him kick him to dick? Like, it just, it wasn't necessary. I don't know. I I feel very strongly about it, Chris, if you can't tell. I understand a lot of people are like, ooh, it's a new dynamic. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's, that's like, I'll say, it, 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 I know Daniel Bryan's been a heel before. In Ring of Honor, also in WWE, he is better as a babyface. This, to me, is like, let's make Ricky Steamboat a heel out of nowhere. It's not like let's turn Holly, or Hulk Hogan into Hollywood Hogan. I mean, that was huge. And who knows, maybe Daniel Bryan can take it and, and bring it to a, a good direction, but it just, well, it just it was very random and weird. He's 
Daniel Bryan's heel run. Daniel Bryan's heel run basically ended Sheamus's face run. Like Daniel Bryan lost in seven seconds of that WrestleMania, and Sheamus has never been the same ever since. Even Daniel Bryan's heel run was comedic. Like they just put him with Kane, and like made it fun. Like Daniel Bryan's never been a good heel. The fans want to cheer for him. So having him low blow AJ, like as big of a star as AJ is, you're then you're putting him against Brock Lesnar. So <laughs> they're still going to cheer for Daniel Bryan. So the whole storyline doesn't make – I mean, it doesn't work. And you're putting right, people well, in a weird spot, like – because now they have to choose between AJ and Daniel Bryan on who they should be rooting for. Can we agree, though, that if this is going to be an actual heel turn, they're actually going – and I've, I've heard Daniel Bryan, you know, apparently has said that he'd love to do a heel run, so maybe you got his wish – they decided to fast-track it for whatever reason, maybe because of the Roman thing and they didn't want to have AJ versus Brock twice. I don't know. I don't know why you would do that the week of and just change it. I don't know how the hell that would be more beneficial, but I can't think in that direction or in a million places at once. All I know is that uh, I don't remember what I was saying, actually. I have no idea. I just I got mad about WWE. My brain exploded. Continue, Chris, <laughs> if you'd like. Well, I, I mean, I, I think you were just saying you don't understand why they're – you know, going this route, and basically, from what I was gathering, based on that, is it, if they're going to go full heel with Daniel Bryan, where they would go? Change his theme music, please. One, I think he would have to change his theme music, but I don't think that he. I like Daniel Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan came up with a good catchphrase. I think he's a very good worker. He's a very good in-ring worker. I think he had the size that gave him an, uh, um, an underdog feel and a look that made fans want to cheer for him. I think as a heel, when you strip that away, he doesn't have the ability of a Chris Jericho to flip-flop between heel and face. He's not good enough on the mic to do that. So... I don't know where they're really going to go with him. He's going to have to do some real heel-ass shit to be the top heel. And maybe they're going to make him complete heel and flop Miz to face, which would be unique and really weird. And I don't know, something that could be interesting. I think Miz has a better chance of being a, of being a face than Daniel Bryan does as being a successful heel. But I, I don't with know. That, yeah. I, I, just like you know, Daniel Bryan's mic works fine, but it's I I, I, I don't know. It's it's just a weird thing where uh, there's a reason why AJ Styles wasn't a very good heel when they moved into WWE. It's because he doesn't I, he's good he's fine on the mic, but he's not great on the mic. And if you want an example, look at like Samoa Joe on the mic as a heel. Like that's what you're going. That's your other heel on SmackDown. Like your top heel is Samoa Joe. So he has to be more healed than Samoa Joe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like AJ, AJ just had Samoa Joe standing outside of his house, threatening to like go in and hang out with his kids. So like, I don't know how Daniel Bryan is going to top that. Uh, but Daniel Bryan's not, uh, he's, I don't think that he has the, the He's not a mean enough person in real life to be a good heel. <laughs> he's not what? narcissistic enough. He's not – he doesn't have the swagger on the mic. Eat your fucking vegetables, damn it. Eat them, you son of a bitch. Quit polluting. 
He can dress yeah, up like, like Captain I don't... Planet. I mean, no, that's part, that was that part was, of what he did, was he talked about how vegans were better than normal people who ate normal food. It's like, oh, shit, you really upset us now, Daniel Bryan. Oh, like straight-edge CM Punk shit, you know? I'm better than It was like because... that, but, but, like, I don't know if people remember Daniel Bryan's heel run in WWE, but it was pretty bad. And they just put him with AJ Lee and made AJ Lee his manager, and she helped kind of get him over as a heel. But, like... Still, fans didn't want to boo for him. And when he got destroyed by Sheamus, that's what started the Yes Revolution, in my opinion, is people were pissed off that Sheamus beat Daniel Bryan, who was a good wrestler, in seven seconds. And that was the original push of Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's not a fucking heel. He never really will be. It doesn't matter how you book him. You're going to end up with the same situation as you have Becky. Just randomly changing people face to heel doesn't work. And I wish they would have, if you're going to randomly do it, why didn't they do it with John Cena or Roman Reigns like two or three years ago when it would have actually made sense? All right, I'm done. Dude, I'm done ranting. No, I I, I agree with you, though. I mean, here's another example. Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke was on fire. He wasn't even producing that grid of matches in NXT, but people loved him. And some of it had to do with that theme music, but not all of it. And then WrestleMania, everyone's like, yeah, you know, this will be interesting. Not only is Shinsuke not that really that great of a heel, because all he, uh, well, I hate to say it. I mean, it kind of goes what what he was saying about about uh, Seth and, like, he's, he needs, he doesn't need someone to talk for him, but it's, there's definitely a language barrier. Like, uh, you know, for me, I couldn't understand what the fuck he was saying. So instead of just him being this charismatic one that just, has his presence and is there and doesn't say much, speaks with his actions and, you know, how he is in the ring. They, they gave him the U.S. title. He's a, he's a heel, I guess, even though he doesn't really do heel shit anymore. And at one time he had ridiculous momentum. I honestly, and I, I can't, it's like, it's, it's weird to call this an insult, but I think Braun Strowman is on his way to being that same type of level. Like someone that might have potential to get the belt in the future, but your charisma has been completely just ripped out of your spine like, you know, Sub-Zero did in the Mortal Kombat games. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, this one's weird for me because they literally, I don't know why they feel the need that they need to switch everything up. I, like, I wish they would get rid of Survivor Series. I'm not going to lie to you as a pay-per-view. Because every year we talk about Survivor Series and we spend... 75% of the time we talk about it bitching about how they got Survivor Series. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> like, if we go back and listen to last year's show, we'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, that made sense. We were pretty pissed off about that. Why was Shane McMahon in that match? <laughs> Why is Shane McMahon in that match? Dude, they has to replace him. There's no... There's no I don't think that AJ actually was hurt somehow. Even though he, him and, D, and Daniel shit out of each other. By the way, their first match that they gave away for free was better than that match. I'll just say that. It was a good match, but it wasn't anything that special. For one where Daniel Bryan won the fucking title from it. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, Daniel Bryan's going to get either – either it's going to be DQ and AJ low blows him and, and Brock hits the F5 and that sets up their feud or – Brock just destroys him because Daniel Bryan's not going to beat Brock Lesnar straight up in a match. It's not happening. So if you want to do the Vegas bet, make sure you put 
your money on Brock Lesnar because he's going to win. Uh, all right. Well, I'm a, that, that's a good segue into Survivor Series, so I'm going to use it. Unless, do you have anything else to say about um, either Be- the Becky Lynch situation and the fact that she had to get replaced? She picks uh, Charlotte, um, and now they're doing Charlotte and Ronda, which we talked about a little bit earlier, or anything else with the Daniel Bryan uh, championship situation. Any closing thoughts, Chris? I, you know, I don't really have any anything closing. I think we've said all that there could be said about what they did with Daniel Bryan and Lesnar. And I, like I said, I think Lesnar probably loses that match. Um, I think it's good. It was good that they. I think I would have picked Oscar as opposed to Charlotte. In all honesty, but it makes sense that they pick Charlotte because her and Becky did have the mutual respect feud for a while. And then it turned into them hating each other. So Becky probably thought that she was the best choice. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. I don't really have a uh, huge problem with it. I think it'll be a good match. I think Charlotte will have a good match with Honda. And honestly, she probably is the, not to sound like, size it like she has the right like not to sound like Vince McMahon but I think that she has the closest size to someone that would be able to have a good match with Ronda without and it'd be a high quality match without you having to be worried um, so it makes sense but uh, yeah it's gonna be good. yeah alright uh, so let's go over the Survivor Series card shall we um all right, so I don't even know if this is in order. I'm pretty sure it's not because it doesn't look like it at all. Oh, no, it is in order. Okay. The first match is a five-on-five tag, elimination tag match. It's going to be on the kickoff show because of the Raw section. Uh, is basically consists of – I'm not going to put him a part of it, Bobby Roode and the who's who of uh, the loser guys, that kind of, you know, job and shit. Anyways. So, the captains, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, the Revival, god damn it, the B-Team, Lucha House Party, and the Ascension are going against the Usos, who are the captains, the New Day, Sanity, uh, Anderson and Gallows, and the Colognes. Chris, SmackDown's going to destroy them, aren't they? I mean, it it shouldn't even be close. Like, no one from, I mean, maybe the Colognes get eliminated, but outside of that, they should get destroyed. It's like, you look at these two tag team divisions side by side, and you're like, okay, one of these is really good, and the other one is garbage. I hope I, I feel Bobby bad for the... <laughs> You you remember when you were trying to find the word for that barrel earlier that Dean Ambrose was standing next to? And I was like, it's yeah. a trash barrel. That's Raw's tag team lineup right now. It's just a trash barrel. That's, that's actually what he was demonstrating. <laughs> oh, God. The poor revival, man. Oh, God. Can the end of it just be like Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, uh, they make it to the end somehow? Then Chad loses and gets knocked out, and like Bobby's the last guy, and then he just beats the shit out of Chad Gable. Can we just have him just do that, please? I don't even care if they're on a tag team the next day and you don't do a heel turn. Just to have a pissed off Bobby Roode just take a chair and just beat the fuck out of Chad Gable. 
Uh, right, so here's, and I like the game. While we're, while, while we're on this, James Storm mm-hmm. is out there as a free agent. Why the hell, if you wanted to put Bobby Roode in a tag team, would you not just sign James Storm and do fucking beer money? Here's an even better question, because I said that same exact thing. <laughs> even better question. Jason Jordan, I think, is clear to wrestle. So why wouldn't you put a Mount American Alpha and beer money as two premier tag teams and start building the tag division in a positive way with AOP and the Revival, change up the B team, stop making the fucking Ascension look like shit, because, I mean, at one point in NXT they were good. Lucha House Party's fun, even though they just got pulled up from uh, 205. There are de- decent concepts for tag teams, just nothing applied. With, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, the, if you if you if you put Bobby Roode, James Storm together, and then you have Chad Gable and uh, Kurt Angle's son, and the revival, you already have more tag teams than you currently have that are legitimate on Raw. And the belts are on AOP, which they're a bunch of sluggish idiots that just smack people around, but they look at least impressive, you know. So yeah, AOP lost their swagger when they lost their manager for me. Like when they left NXT, they they lost a lot. But AOP in the ring, they're good. It's just I like, I, it's yeah. Rockstar Spud as a manager isn't working for me at all. It's not working for me. It's because I watch NXT sometimes, and he's a babyface on there, nice guy manager, and now he's doing his his uh, his best impersonation of Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, trying to be like the. It it, it doesn't come off. I guess. I, sometimes I don't understand when WWE expects us to know random information from Twitter, you know, arguments and shit, or that Becky Lynch likes avocados, but they don't connect their characters <laughs> like fucking Rockstar Spud from Raw to how it is on 205 Live the next night. Like, all right, whatever. Fucking yeah, up. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Paul Ellering they should have figured out a way to pay that man to be their manager because what they were doing in a no as their manager was fucking great. And, I mean, look, I like Rockstar Spud. I've watched some good-ass matches with Rockstar Spud in him. I think he's fine on 205 Live as a commissioner. He does not have the bravado to be the manager of Authors of Pain following Paul Ellery. Like, you're, you're asking a lot. That's like if they asked me to be manager of, like, Yokozuna after... <laughs> He looks like a little lawn child pulling two giant rock monsters like to the ring. Like he doesn't. It, it just looks so stupid. Either well, way, it would be just as. That's what I was getting at. It'd be just as dumb if they asked me to be the fucking manager of the Midnight Express or Yokozuna after Jim Cornette was their manager. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like you pick a great yeah. fucking manager. And then you're like, all right, well, here's Rockstar Spud, who's never really managed or managed anyone, and uh, here you go, Bud. Also, the Raw Tag Division sucks, so good luck getting this team over. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel bad for both Authors of Pain and, and Rockstar Spud in this situation. Or uh, was it Drake Maverick? Sorry, I keep calling him by his other name. My apologies. <laughs> same, same shit. Well, speaking about 205 Let's move to the uh, the only one that's not a W or Raw versus SmackDown match, WWE uh, Cruiserweight title match. You got Buddy Murphy, the champion, versus Mustafa Ali. Here's my thoughts on this, Chris. Mustafa Ali is, is deserved that fucking belt. 
for a long time. So I'm going to go with him, even though Buddy Murphy just won at uh, the Australian Showdown show, whatever the fuck it is, where he's from. And the reason why I think it's taken off is because they only put it on him for that show because <laughs> he's Australian and they won the big pop there. Uh, I could be wrong, and I think Buddy Murphy's an awesome wrestler. If he retains it, that would be great. I just feel bad for Ali in the situation because he's literally had a million title shots and still hasn't won. He's probably one of the best guys on the roster of the cruiserweights for 205. But uh, who do you think is going to win this? Uh, I think Mustafa Ali might pick up the title here. But um, I don't know. Buddy, Buddy Murphy looks more like the guy they would want to have the title. But uh, to me, Mustafa Ali, I'm going to cheer for him. I, they may keep that thing on Buddy Murphy a little longer. Who knows? I, 205 Live is is always up in the air with me once they take it off. They usually have one guy, and uh, once it goes off that one guy, it's like a toss-up until they find that one guy again. So maybe Mustafa Ali is that guy. Because, I mean, like, you got to remember, like, a lot of the title reigns on 205 Live last uh, way longer than what you see on on the main roster. Um, well, I mean, 205 Live is technically the main roster, but I mean, like, you know, uh, Cedric Alexander, I think, held that thing for a good time. You had, uh, before that, you had uh, Neville held it for what seemed like forever. Um, You just, there's a lot of long title reigns there, so I'm always up in the air on whether I want to be like, yeah, I think this is Mustafa Ali's time or not, because they just tend to leave the title on. They're champion a lot longer than uh, the rest of WWE. Yep, I agree. That's why I could definitely see Buddy Murphy uh, retaining it. All right, so the uh, Raw vs. SmackDown 5-on-5 women's elimination match. you got Nia Jax, Tamina, Natalya, Ruby Riot, and and Mickey James. Like I said, because there's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I could really easily see that Natalya gets pulled out of that. I don't know. Uh, I don't see her being on the same match or the same team as Ruby Wright. Maybe they take themselves out. I feel like Sasha or Bailey could be added into this. I could be wrong about. Either way, that's one team. And then we have Naomi, Sonya Deville, Asuka, Carmella. We don't know the last person. Um, I guess Mandy Rose, since they were kind of like, you know, making it look like her and Sonya Deville were going to have a match to determine blah, blah, blah. So I guess that's probably who they're going to throw in. Not sure, but I'm going to give it to the SmackDown ladies, uh, regardless, because of Asuka, Sonya Deville, and Naomi, primarily. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I think Asuka ends up winning the match for her team, so I'm going to go with SmackDown. I hope that. so. I really hope so. <clears throat> All right. Raw men's five-on-five. Five. Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley with their team cops and Baron Corbin? Versus uh, the who's the team captain for that side? Shane McMahon, Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, and Jeff Hardy. I also feel there's a good chance that Shane McMahon will be replaced by AJ Styles, unless I, I don't know. That 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 to me is a very weird situation of AJ not doing anything. Um, either way, I think this is the one where they could. Uh, I feel like Raw is probably going to win this one. This might be – I think SmackDown is going to win a majority of the other matches and win the whole entire thing. But just looking at it, unless Braun decides to go apeshit and, and lose his title match and his match against Baron Corbin for no reason, 
Um, they got him and Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley and Finn Balor and Dolph. Um, who do you think is going to win? Honestly, I think you get further separation of Braun and Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. So I think Braun feuds with them, probably basically gets taken out by doing that. And maybe SmackDown pulls off the win here. I think you could see someone like a Jeff Hardy or a Miz winning the match. I, I think it could be something weird like yeah. that. And I think the Miz winning it, they might do kind of what they did with Dolph Ziggler, where it was like, say you end up with Braun, Dolph, and Drew McIntyre versus the Miz. Right? And they pull the Dolph Ziggler, which is what they did, you know, the one year where Dolph became face again. If you go that way with the Miz... Maybe that leads into Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Maybe that's how they're trying to book that. Who the hell knows? But um, I, I don't know. It's just that SmackDown has all the people that people love on it. Like Rey Mysterio and Jeff Hardy are I'm definitely the two biggest draws in this match by far. I mean, name recognition alone. Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to go after this match if Rey Mysterio, Jeff Hardy, Samojo, and Shane McMahon I feel like since especially if Bobby Lashley gets the if Bobby Lashley wins for his team, I don't want to. I wouldn't want to beat that that following match. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, Randy's going to show up and um, basically cause Ray it because he's that's another person. Like I can't believe Randy Orton's not doing shit for the SmackDown side, but then he's been starting this whole entire thing with uh, Ray, so I could see him intervening behind the ref's back somehow fucking RKOing and then slithering the fuck out of there, some bullshit. So, who knows? Uh, how about the uh, Tag Team Championship? This should be a really hard-hitting match, Chris, between the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Authors of Pain, and the SmackDown uh, Live Tag Team Champions, The Bar. I'm going to say The Bar's actually going to lose. Because I think AOP could use it. They almost lost against Seth Rollins by himself to win the fucking titles. And I, I feel like the bar, it's not going to kill them to get a loss against AOP. It would actually help AOP a little bit look legitimate if they beat the bar. So that's who I'm going to go with. But this should be a not a not a fancy match, but a very like hard-hitting match, I would say. Well, I, think, I, think this might, I think this might be the best match of the night, looking at the card. Honestly, I think these guys are going to go all out. So um, as far as who I think win, I think the authors of pain win, but I think this is going to be a, a match that surprises a lot of people in the middle of this card. Cause I, you know, I think Charlotte and Rhonda is going to be fine. But Rhonda is still a little green in the ring and it's the first time they've ever worked together. And then Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke. I, I just don't, I love Seth, and I think he'll put on a good match. I just don't like Shinsuke. Had, like I said many times, Shinsuke hasn't really done anything to impress me since his match with <laughs> Sami Zayn at NXT. So wow. I kind of just yeah. throw Shinsuke in the kind of just – he's going to have an okay match. And uh, Seth Rollins being there, may you know, they may prove me wrong. Maybe this will be the best match Shinsuke's had, but Shinsuke's best match so far was two years ago against Sami Zayn. Oh, since you the Lesnar versus. Of... No, go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. Since you brought those two matches uh, up, let's go over them too. The Raw Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. I think Ronda's going to win, but I think it's going to be a good showing. I'm wondering if they have enough time to work together to make the match that they would have probably had at, like, Mania. Um, But I hope that they do something else after this, too. It's kind of like when Finn won against AJ. I want to see another one of those fucking matches where they didn't have to put it together on the fly. Um, Either way... Uh, and then obviously uh, the the Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke. I agree with you though. I don't I don't think it's going to be much from. Um, it just seems seems like Shinsuke could be doing a lot more. Uh, but either way, uh, I think Seth Rollins is going to win that. I think that Rollins is going to win her match. And then who did you say? Who do you think is going to win those two? Uh, I think Ronda is going to win against Charlotte, and I think uh, probably. I'm going to say Shinsuke is going to win, and it's going to have something to do with Dean Ambrose. Shinsuke has no natural rivals right now, so it makes sense that Dean Ambrose screws over Seth. I think there's going to be a lot of fuckery this whole night as far as run-ins go. So just prepare yourself. Everyone prepare themselves for the fuckery. Yeah, definitely prepare yourself for the fuckery. And since you said that, actually, that is a a good segue into our next uh, sponsor, Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? You know, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, They work up to twice as fast as the pills, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Um, So Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. I know that from my own personal experience, Blue Chew has definitely helped me out immensely, um, you know, between me and and the ladies. I actually take a medication that kind of – it basically gets in the way of that sometimes, and certain, especially if I consume any type of alcoholic beverages. Uh, so this is great, not just for that, but also performance itself and being able to last a long time, which you will definitely be happy uh, with. All right, so they're made in the USA, and since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth.com and get your first shipment free. When you use a special promo code GVN, as in Geek Vibes Nation, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code GVN, to try it free. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for bringing up the fuckery. Let's talk more about fuckery, Chris, uh, when we go into the, uh, the final match. Already gone over this a little bit. Uh, got a couple minutes. Brock Lesnar versus Dan O'Brien. There is no way that Dan O'Brien wins this match unless he bumps the ref and then takes a chair and acts all heelish on Brock Lesnar. But why the fuck would you want to get Brock's sympathy? Is what I would want to know. But Brock Lesnar is going to win, I think. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I don't see any world where Dan O'Brien wins this match. I think you could see a situation where. Um, 
you know, Lesnar is absolutely destroying Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel gets some sort of advantage by cheating, and then AJ Styles comes out and, and just wrecks Daniel Bryan. I, I just this entire pay per view just leads itself to weird WWE finishes, and for whatever reason, the fact that AJ Styles just lost his title by getting nut shotted, um, it's it's just one of those weird things where I feel like it's either going to turn into some kind of weird three way match or four way match or something like that. Or Brock Lesnar is going to win because they're going to do similar to what they did at Crown Jewel and have Daniel Bryan get destroyed before the match even starts. And then it's like, well, Brock Les- of course, Brock Lesnar destroyed him. Daniel Bryan didn't have a shot. Because I don't think they want you to cheer for Daniel Bryan during this match necessarily, especially if he's going to go back and have a heat feud with AJ Styles. So I, either way, Brock Lesnar is going to win this unless it's a straight DQ and Daniel Bryan gets, I guess, the moral victory. Um, by someone interfering in the match. It would be really weird. My worry is, is, say you have that situation where AJ causes the DQ and Daniel Bryan technically wins the match and then Brock Lesnar destroys both AJ and, and Daniel Bryan. That's like the worst case scenario. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But it's WWE and they like to look fuckery, as we've been talking about. So <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that happened. So basically, we we're gonna see Daniel Bryan finally attempt his muck, his monkey style gymnastic shit against Brock Lesnar, and the uh, rubber match for AJ and Daniel Bryan will probably be on the next SmackDown. Um, yeah. All right. So let's go over Takeover War Games. Really looking forward to it Saturday. Um. There's only four matches, so we can do this pretty reasonably quick, Chris, to wrap up the show. But um, they're giving it all, all the matches plenty of time. First one, Johnny Gargano versus Aleister Black. Aleister Black came back from his injury, was trying to figure out who hit him in the back, not who twisted his balls, which is the real reason he was gone, but whatever, uh, which was Johnny Gargano, who has to be a heel now because he was like the only other baby face. But either way, should have a great match. I'm going to go with Aleister Black getting a win over Gargano because Gargano always loses. But maybe now heel Gargano will win. I'm not sure. What do you think? Uh, I think Aleister Black wins and probably in pretty dominant fashion. Um, I just don't see him losing. Obviously, they're going to keep him around probably till Rumble. So I would assume he has a title match against Tomasa Ciampa after this. The only thing I could see is is Ciampa helps Gargano for some reason. But I, I... with it being Aleister Black coming back for the first time, I expect this to be not a quick match, but one where clearly Aleister is, is a dominant presence. So I, I'm going to pick Black. All right, next one. Shayna Baszler, champion versus Kari Sane. Two out of three falls. Um, I really – I want Shayna to go up, but it's only – you know, it's not because I want her to lose. It's because I want her to go on Raw and feud with Ronda Rousey because I feel like that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Kari Sane wins two out of three falls, beats Shayna Baszler. Baszler moves up to Maine. What do you think? I think Kari Zane is uh, in line for a good title run, so I think that she probably picks it up here, uh, and I think it goes all three falls. So. Um, I think Shayna probably wins the first and Carrie wins the, the second and third. 
All right, so the NXT Championship match, Tommaso Ciampa versus Velveteen Dream. You know, much I want Dream to win, and I think it would be po- it would be great if Dream wins, and then maybe goes against Alistair at the next Takeover, and then beats Alistair, and Alistair goes to Maine to kind of finish their first rivalry. But I don't know if Velveteen Dream is ready, and Tommaso Ciampa is on fire as a heel. I'm going to go with Tommaso Ciampa. What do you think, Chris? I'm going to go with Dream, and I'm going to put a caveat that Dream will win because Aleister Black will come out and destroy Ciampa, and they'll build a feud between Gargano and Black and, and Ciampa and Black. They're, they're somehow going to tie those two, two or three together. I don't know that they want to put the title right back on Aleister because I think they're going to move him up the main pretty quick, honestly. Me. Yeah. Dream to win. I just feel like they're not going to take it off Tomas Ciampa, but I hope you are right, actually, because I will go crazy and mark out if Velveteen Dream has the NXT Championship. Uh, all right, uh, and now the Warriors match. You have the Undisputed Era, all four of them Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Colbebe, Roderick Strong, against the War Raiders, Ricochet, and Pete Dunne. Last year, first time they did this, Undisputed Era won. Um, this time I think that because they were, I, I think both of them were on, no, 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 only Pete Dunn and uh, Roderick Strong were, and they were on opposite teams. That's right. I want to give this to, I guess the undisputed era. I think they're somehow going to win again, just being Dick heels, but people love them. What do you think? Man, this one's so tough. I think if Velveteen Dream wins then the Undisputed Era will win. If Velveteen Dream loses, I think you get the opposite. So it really, to me, pivots on that match. So uh, I, I I don't know. I can see the War Raiders winning. Um, that one's that one's tough. I, that one to me is is the most fifty fifty one in this. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Uh, ah, shit! If I just have to pick one, War Raiders. Fuck. <laughs> Well, it would be War Raiders and Dunn and also Ricochet. They're all in one team against the four members of Undisputed Era. So, I mean, that, that's a good reason to think to you know have that opinion. But either way, I just got the cue, so I wanted to thank everyone for listening. First of all, it was really great to have you back. Um, we we had a wonderful episode, and I think a lot of it was thanks to you. So I will uh, talk to you soon, sir, and uh, have a wonderful evening. Say goodbye to all the wonderful people. Everybody have a great night, and uh, it was great talking to you as well, man. Look forward to uh, talking more wrestling in the future, and uh, everyone keep watching wrestling, and uh, love you guys. Talk to you later. All right. Well, that was another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Like I said, we're here Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST. Uh, just keep on listening. Me and Chris ramble on about wrestling. And check out all Geek Vibes Nation social media. It doesn't matter if it's over at Instagram or over at Facebook or over at iTunes. We're taking over. Twitter, we're even on there. GVNation.com for everything new. You guys have a wonderful evening, and let the Geek Vibes be with you. Peace out.